0: Listening to a message from Ogden Church, a gospel center ministry for all people. We hope during the next few minutes you gain a better understanding of God's love expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. We're so glad you're worshiping with us this morning. We're heading toward Easter, and we have started a new series where we are looking at some of the miracles of Jesus. And the reason these miracles are significant is God does everything on purpose. Not just to show us something incredible or amaze us, but to reveal to us His character, Even when we talk about or sing a song, like I've seen miracles, it's too good to not believe. The miracles point us to believing in Jesus. It's not just a miracle for miracle's sake, it's to say, how can I understand more about you? But we are a skeptical people. We're skeptical when it comes to faith in God and things around us we wonder if they are what they claim to be and what we're going to see is a group of people and we're a little skeptical about Jesus and in John chapter 4 we're going to look at the next miracle that Jesus does here together after the two days he left for Galilee starting in verse 43 Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. It's in parentheses in in your Bible, if you're looking there. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that had been done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. So one of the things that's interesting is we are skeptical. We're a skeptical people. And there are a lot of people that are trying to attack the Bible. Say, like, the Bible contradicts itself is something that people will say. And you could look at a verse like this and say, wait a sec, this feels like they don't go together. Right? It says, now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. And then he goes to the Galileans, which is where he is from, Galilee, and it says when he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. Wait a second. Doesn't this prove that there's some sort of contradiction in the Bible? Now, there is a way for us to welcome someone, but only want what they have to offer. So the way that the Galileans are... Welcoming Jesus is to say, well, we saw miracles in the past and we want something for ourselves. And if you're here, maybe I'll get what I want. Because our intentions and our actions sometimes don't reveal what's really going on in our hearts. And what we're going to see here is Jesus actually calls out these people in a few verses. He's like, well, you just want to see miracles. That's all you care about is miracles. You don't care about being in relationship with me. Skeptical. And this is set up so that we can understand our own hearts and who Jesus is and how we're called to relate to him. Sometimes we can act in a way that doesn't reveal what's really going on inside of our hearts. I was thinking about uh, a movie that I watched with my kids. Some of you, if you have young kids, you've definitely seen this movie. It's called Frozen. It's about uh, a princess and you know, two princesses, actually, and they one is looking for a husband real bad, and this husband, he, he comes, this guy, these suitors come in, and one's name is Hans, and he comes to try to, to become the husband of this princess. And he, he just, all he cares about is like building this relationship with her. And so he is there and he says whatever he needs to say to try to get in her good graces. Prince Hans seems like he has everything that she's looking for. She's going to be happy. They're going to get married and everything's going to be great. Well, you find out at the end of the movie, and this is going to ruin it for you if you haven't seen it, but if you want to watch a cartoon that's 10 years old and whatever, that's fine. Eh. But... At the end of the movie, it turns out that she really needs her true love's kiss. And she goes to Prince Hans, and he says, that'd be great if there was somebody here who loved you. And he pulls back, and he's like, oh, I get this whole kingdom. I'm going to get everything without even having to marry you. His true heart is that he just wants the outcome. He wants what can happen for him and not a relationship with the princess. Many of us in in the Galileans, when they saw that Jesus could do amazing things, they're skeptical and they're selfish. And they come to God and they say, well, just give me what I want. But what we're going to see here, and what's important for our culture, is that Jesus actually is able to answer and answers the skeptics. Jesus answers skeptics. And in the stages that a skeptic goes through when they're faced with Jesus is one, often pain leads them to come to Jesus and ask for help. They go through pain, they receive peace, they can have some sort of external positive feeling, but then it ultimately needs to and should lead to praise in our hearts. And full submission and honoring of who God is. In the next few verses, he's welcomed because they're like, well, this Jesus guy's here. That's great. We want to see some cool stuff. So uh, we're glad he's here. They welcome him. In the next few verses, this is what happens. Verse 46 and 47. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. So they saw some crazy, awesome stuff. We talked about that last week. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and he begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Jesus comes into this town. They've heard incredible things. And this royal official, somebody who would have had enough money to take his son to whoever they thought could heal him at that time. And and he has the ability to do that. And he probably has gone many different places. And yet his son is still sick. And his son is still looking like he's going to die. And then he's like, well, I I have nothing, nowhere else to go. So he goes to Jesus. Jesus. And, and he runs up to him, and he's like, hey, I need, you to, I need you to come home with me. I need you to go heal my son. And his pain drives him to a place where he says, look, I, I have all the money I could want. I've gone these other places to try to heal my son. Nothing has worked, and I need something more. I need something deeper, something that can actually fix the, the problem that I'm looking at. You know, there are some hard problems in life. And even as we were singing that song, we are singing, uh, I've seen cancer disappear. And God can do those things. God can eliminate many of the worldly struggles that, that we see. But sometimes he doesn't. And some of you know and have prayed for people who have had cancer, and they passed away. But even in those instances, cancer disappears. People are still healed and given a body that won't have those issues in the long term. And Jesus says, look, I can catch you when you fall. No matter what this world throws at you, Christ is the solution. I was able to be... In a, in a small group at our previous church with a guy who was a corporate consultant. He ran a consulting company and he got to sit in the offices of these CEOs that had a ton of power and money. They could do anything they wanted. And he told me the shocking thing about that was so many times he sat in these offices and the guy's lives were falling apart. They were miserable. They're, they're Kids won't talk to them. Their wife was divorcing you know, them. All these horrible things were happening. But they had everything that they thought the world would look at and say, oh, that's what you're looking for. But he would sit with them and he's like, is it, is it enough? Are you happy? I know you're running this company, but something seems wrong. I think we can both agree. And he said sometimes there would just be tears in the office where he's like, I just thought if I... Worked hard enough and provided this type of lifestyle. Then I would feel good. I feel like I made it. You see, but the, the world, because of sin and brokenness in our hearts, like you can be flying along thinking everything's great, and then you just smash into a wall. Because the world's broken and sin has broken our hearts. Now, sometimes I'll have an experience, we have some big windows out here, and I'll see a a bird that's flown into the window, right? And that bird was having a great day. (laughs) Things seemed like it was going real well for that bird, and it had no clue how bad the day was going to go when that happened. That's like life for many of us. You just think, oh, this is great, everything's awesome, boom. You hit the window, and we all are going to have that experience from time to time. We're all going to have challenges, issues that come up. But when you hit that window, who is there to catch you? You see, because Jesus never promises us that he's going to remove all the issues, all the obstacles, all the challenges, but he says, when you hit them, I will catch you when you fall. And I will be there. Have you tried a lot of things in life? Have you tried, like, hey, if I just work hard enough, if I just become this leader that I want other people to think that I am, then I will feel like I've arrived. I'll feel like I've earned it. And then you hit a wall or know somebody who has and wonder where, where could I find help? Where can I go? Either you've hit a wall and you know what that feels like. Maybe you're hitting one now or you will hit one. All of us are in one of those three categories. And what you need to remember is run to Jesus. Run to Him because the pain reminds you of your need. You can pretend like, oh yeah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I got this. I'll solve my own issues. Then you hit the glass and you realize, oh, wait, I need some help. Run to Jesus when you need help. He is what you're looking for. He, the pain you're experiencing is as a result of running to things in this world. Verses 48 through 50, he starts out, this royal official is in pain, and then he moves to peace. He's given this piece. Now, listen to how this is put together. This is insane. The way this happens is just crazy. This royal official is panicking, he thinks his son is going to die. And then Jesus just straight up calls them out. He's like, unless you people see signs and wonders. So this goes back to the original text that we were looking at. They welcomed him, but Jesus is like, I know what's in your hearts. Don't just try to fake me out. I, I made it, so I know what's happening in there. He's like, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. Calls him out. You just want to see a miracle. You don't care about anything else. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. He's just desperate. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I just, I care about my son. I just want to save my son, please. Go, Jesus replied. Your son will live. Now listen to this. This, is, this guy's panicking. He's just talking to Jesus. Jesus says, your son's going to live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. How and why? This like how does this even happen? I don't know if if you have kids or know somebody who has kids. If your kid is sick and has a real issue, like there's nothing that a parent's gonna do not do to help their child. He's there with Jesus. Jesus like, well, he's better. It's just a conversation. He's better. Okay, thanks. Just goes, just leaves doesn't make any sense but he had an experience with jesus and i think it's fair to say at this point that the holy spirit somehow rested on this guy's heart and he just was like there was something about jesus that was just different everybody reacted differently to him than they would to everything else says just go your son's gonna live he's he's well and the man's like okay and he walks away he has this incredible interaction with Jesus. Something awesome does actually happen. He's given peace. But sometimes we, we stop at the interaction and we seek the interaction with Jesus in the outplay of what would happen in our hearts. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. So I did youth ministry for a long time and we would take these youth group kids on retreats We would go on retreats, and one of the consistent experiences I would have is kids would come back from the retreat. They'd have an experience with Jesus. They'd experience deep peace and a beautiful amount of praise and God's glory. They'd see some wonderful things, and they'd come back from this mountaintop experience, and they would be like, oh, my goodness, I wish I could have that every day of my life. And all they would want is to go from experience to experience, They just want to see, Jesus, make me feel good. I just want to see that good part of you. Let me just go from mountaintop to mountaintop, but this is not how life works. This is a lie that the world is telling you. It's in movies, it's in romantic movies, where people are like, wait a sec, for those two hours, they were super in love. Why is my marriage super hard right now? Because we don't go from mountaintop to mountaintop. In order to get there, we have to go through the valley. You see, but if you're experiencing the peace of God, it does feel good. And that's and a, a beautiful thing. But it has to make its way through To not just be about what you experience, but a relationship with Jesus. It has to make its way to a place where you say, God, I don't care what I'm going through, I want you. And the point of the mountaintop experience is so that you can see the beauty of God that reveals his true character to you. And then you can say, God, I just want you. This guy walks away, he has a certain amount of peace, inexplicably, that God gives him. But then something else happens. He moves from peace to praise. Now, some of us just get stuck in the, I just want to experience, God, I love that worship time. That worship experience is great. But what does it take for us to move from just having that experience of peace to full life-altering surrender and praise? The next few verses say this. Verse 51 through 54. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. So he walked home. He didn't even know if it worked. He somehow leaves, and the servants run up. They're like, well, your boy, he's living. He's alive. Then he, when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. When the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second of the signs Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. He walks away. He has peace. And then his servant walks up and says, Your son is alive. And he's like, Oh my goodness. That's the exact moment. That's the exact moment that Jesus said that. He hadn't experienced, but then he sees God's power and he's in complete control. And he goes home. And it says that he went from believing what Jesus said to believing in who Jesus is. He started to align his life completely with God. This official who. Seem to be doing fairly well, comes up against something, and there's a ton of pain in his life, which causes him to be forced and pushed to reach out and connect to Jesus. And when he has that conversation, he has peace. Many of us stop and just pursue that mountaintop experience. But that peace, that experience, leads him to praise, and he goes home and he sees how incredible who Jesus is is, he sees how amazing and how powerful and beautiful God is. You see, the miracles that he does are trying to reveal his character so that we want him. My daughter was in a musical, uh, I call it a play sometimes, but that makes her angry, because that's not what it is, apparently. They're all the same to me. And she, it was called Into the Woods. And there's this little moment where it's about these fairy tale creatures, people. And there's this one little girl that had a really short line in, in the musical. It was Little Red Riding Hood. I don't know if you know this story. It's fairly old. And uh, Little Red Riding Hood's going to see her grandmother. And there's this wolf in the play that's trying to be really nice to her. Because he's like trying to do bad wolf things. And so he's trying to be super nice. And Little Red Riding Hood has this little line at the end where she says, She realized that nice is different than good. You see, it's very possible for someone to be nice to you and for you to seek after surface level niceness all around. But I'll tell you what happens when when somebody's just sort of a surface level friend and they're just nice and it's it's cool. Like we say kind things to each other when we see each other. When the heat gets turned up and stuff gets hard, those people run for the hills. Because what looked good on the surface wasn't a sign of deep, beautiful goodness. But what you will never find when you come to God is you will find someone who is kind. But life sometimes will be hard, but you can trust in his goodness. God is good. Even when your life is hard, even when people around you are not, God is good. So we trust in him. We don't come to him. The goal is that we don't come to him with the expectation that he's going to do all these external things. But we say, look, I'm looking for something deeper, something more. I want a relationship with you based off of the goodness of your character. Now, a lot of people are skeptical, and and God meets the skeptics where they are. He'll show himself to you. The world's too good to not believe. I believe that. Jesus answers the questions. You see, one of, one of the things that we do often, even in our world, is you go on multiple dates before you get married most of the time, right? This is kind of an interview process because people can fake being nice for a long time. Or if you interview somebody, you don't just say, oh, hey, we had a cup of coffee together. Why don't you just come uh, work at my company for forever and we'll sign a contract and, you know, it's good. You know, you, you figure stuff out over time and you're skeptical because people can be tricky it doesn't matter how many times you look into or question Jesus. I would just say continue to ask questions. And at the end of the road, what you will find is goodness. You will never interview him. You will never ask a question to which you're like, Whoa, I didn't notice that about you. I didn't know that. Tell you what, when you're dating, when you're interviewing, you're going to find out some of that weird stuff because we're all, we're all broken. We all have issues. But Jesus is good and what you should be looking for is goodness not just nice not just the nicety jesus is good you see what i worry about is is like we just want that we want that good feeling and we miss what it's really about is knowing the goodness of god and being in relationship with him There was some good news that came out this week. The uh, Major League Baseball uh, finalized their contract. I don't know if anybody else is into baseball. I like baseball. So I was like, oh, this will be an interesting summer if they don't play. So that's going to stink. But they figured it out, right? One of my favorite things is to get a hot dog at the baseball game. Hot dogs are horrible. It's a horrible food. You go to a baseball game, you eat a hot dog, it's a different level. It's something incredible. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's not good for you. It's not going to help you, but tastes great. So you go, to the, you go to the baseball game. You imagine, like let's say I live next to Comerica Park, and I went to, the, went to the game every day. And what I did is I went up to a hot dog vendor outside, and I got a hot dog, but I never went into the game. And I just ate the hot dog outside. Kind of misses the point, doesn't it? What makes the hot dog great is the experience of being at the game, and engaging with other people, being in community with your family and friends. That's what makes it great. Because you can have a hot dog at home. You can have a hot dog outside. And maybe it's okay, whatever, all the weird parts of the pig they didn't use for other stuff, goes in the hot dog. That's cool. But when you go into the game, whole different experience. Some of us, when it comes to our relationship with God, are stuck outside of the ballpark eating a hot dog. When God says, I'm inviting you into so much of a deeper place. What does it look like for us to long for deep relationship with God, not just surface level outcomes? To say, I want to see your goodness. I want to know it more. And when you see his goodness, instead of it going in reverse order, for, in, in this order for the skeptic, where you, where you have pain, peace, and praise, you can go from praise to having peace in your pain. He flips it and he says, I'm with you. And you can trust my goodness no matter what you are going through. Where, where are you? Do you find yourself skeptical? Wondering if Jesus is who he says he is? I would say, run To him, And you will see that there is no end to the goodness that he has. Let's close in prayer. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for your word, your son, the fact that you're revealing yourself to us. God, I pray if there's people that are skeptical and are in pain, God, I pray that your spirit would carry them to you. That they would run to you longing for a solution, God, that only you can give. And Father, if if there are people who are are chasing after you because they're in pain, God, I pray that they would find your peace. That they would long for your peace and, God, you would meet them in their pain. And God, if we've been through pain and we found your peace, God, I pray that it would result in life-altering praise. That our life becomes about you, aligned completely with you. God, I thank you that Jesus is so good. You you are so good to us that no one will investigate and find you wanting. We are met and satisfied only in you. God, thank you for the word that you have given us and what your spirit is at work doing. We love you, Lord. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please join us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11 a.m. If you'd like any more information about Ogden Church, just visit our website at ogdenchurch.org or Facebook.